Welcome to Inaudible. I'm your host, Jeremy Wyland, and I'm joined by my co-host, Ryan Masterson. On this podcast, we discuss the weird, beautiful channeled messages found in the long tradition of contact with the Confederation of Planets in service to the One Infinite Creator. These messages articulate a philosophy of spiritual evolution, popularly known as the Law of One. Many of these messages are available to listen to on our sister podcast, Living Love and Light, available on all platforms. We seek to provide analysis and commentary on this philosophy described in these messages, identifying the common themes and grappling with the application of this information to our human lives. However, we are not counselors, gurus, or experts of any kind, so please evaluate our words in light of our shortcomings and use your own best judgment. Thanks for listening. Hey, Ryan, long time no see. How you doing? I know, for real. I'm doing very well. Staying busy, as I'm sure you are as well. Uh, I've, well. I've actually had a lot of time off lately, <laughs> oh, <laughs> but yeah. I'm starting a new job on Monday, so. That's right. How are you feeling about that? Ah, uh, pretty good. I just, uh, I missed the delivery of the laptop yesterday, so I'm kind of like, <laughs> but, uh, I'll, I'll work it out. It's not that big of a deal. Um, I also, uh, my car was part of a four car pileup, uh, Thursday. No. Uh, yeah. Like one of the Richmond meditation circle members was in the car with me and we just got, there's a car that looked like it hit the car behind us full speed while we were at a standstill and then we got hit and then I hit the car in front of me. Oh my gosh. So we're juggling one car right now until I talk to the insurance company, uh, of the guy that started all this. But, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, there's lots of catalyst and, and different, uh, things going on trying to take it in stride but you know i'm having mixed success to be honest (laughs) yeah oh my gosh i'm sorry to hear that did you uh sustain any injuries uh i don't want this to be a legal record but uh i have not yet felt anything that might be (laughs) that might be construed as like a whiplash injury or something but i'm always holding out the the, the the possibility that that might be the case. We'll see. Mm. So have, far, so good. I have heard that sometimes it takes a few days to settle in. You know, just stuff gets rearranged and all of a sudden, you just that inflation starts to settle in. You're like, oh, there's the injury. <laughs> the the yeah. firefighter on the scene, the chief or whoever who is in command, like came over and was like, make sure you don't say to the insurance company, I feel fine, because that will be the end of it. Mm. Mm. <laughs> you don't you can't take that back yeah so i've been trying to uh adhere to that sure okay boy yeah wow. hey <laughs> catalyst comes at you fast man I, but uh, i know i haven't been that life has not been that exciting over here the The only catalyst i'm really getting is is uh, my kids are getting older too fast <laughs> yeah so well i mean and then i mean work is work but everyone has that so it's got to be a little yeah. crazy right now for you, though, at work. It's a, little, it's a little crazy. Whenever there's financial system stress, it's, uh, you know. Yeah. Yeah. It just seems like it's one bank after another. First, now, well, now it's Deutsche the Bank. Same, they're all in the same <laughs> boat. The funny part is they're all in the same boat. It's just the spotlight's going from one to one to one, but every bank's in the same boat. Yep. But, but, um, but we are, you know. The too big to fail thing is very real, so it kind of doesn't matter if they're in the same boat. There's gonna be, you know, there's gonna be plenty of spending to make sure uh, 
you know, these things don't disappear. So, oh yeah, say lovey. They they promised they wouldn't bail out uh, Silicon Valley Bank, but eh. <laughs> well, technically they didn't. You know, technically yeah, they didn't, technically. which I appreciate. At least they let the bank, they let the the company itself fail. I mean, I, I guess I appreciate what they're trying to do. Say, um, I keep. It's funny. I keep having this conversation with a buddy of mine who is um, who is where I was at only maybe ten years ago. Not to saying I'm further along than he is, but he. Getting into finance, I started reading a bunch about the banking system, et cetera, and he just hasn't he hasn't put in that you know, that effort. But um, I would much rather have this situation than going back to the twenties and having bank run after bank run after bank run year after year, banks closing and people literally losing their life savings because <laughs> the, yeah. their their simple bank went out of business. You know, so I would much rather deal with what we're dealing with now. Not to say it's amazing, but uh, if you have to pick pick an evil, I'd rather pick this one. Yeah, yeah, I guess so. It just it just is weird to me because I'm interviewing with all these companies and I'm kind of like sideways, sort of poking around. So y'all have any money left? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and like half of them were like, "Yeah, we have some exposure, but mm. I think we're going to be okay." And they were right. <laughs> yeah. Ooh. Oh, stressful times. Because it's all, it's like a lot of these startups, that's, it's like all the payrolls tied up at Silicon Valley Bank. Yeah. So. Yeah. I think that it, was maybe, that was the, I think that was one of the uh, catalysts, <laughs> catalysts for, uh, for the Fed and the Treasury to step in with the backstop is maybe a thousand, two thousand companies literally shutting down within a week, at least in the Bay Area. You yeah. Know, simply because they couldn't make payroll. So. Oh. <sighs> Life goes on. It to certainly continue. does. It does when, not wait for uh, the financial sector to catch up. It just keeps <laughs> rolling. Doesn't. And uh, we're going to keep rolling as well because this is not money talk. Uh, this is not Confederation money Man, talk. That's our that's our other podcast, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's our other podcast. It, so uh, today the the topic is uh, purity. And it's informed by uh, El Hatan and Latwi session uh, that you recorded uh, with the Living Love and Light podcast uh, that came out, I believe, on Wednesday, if I'm not mistaken. Correct. And Correct. it's a good one. Yeah, good session from the 80s, March 7th, 1982. And I think a bunch of unknown channels. Oh, no, Carla channels, Latwi and Jim channels. But there's an unknown source channeling Hatan. And um, I find these these sessions are hit or miss when it comes to a particular topic being discussed clearly and at, at length. Usually it's, hey, I want to talk to you about this. And then maybe for a paragraph, it's solidly about that. And then sometimes it meanders. But I think this session did a very, it was very on point, you know, for much of the time. And I know as time goes on, these sessions get to do better at, at really focusing, like all the quo sessions are pretty much on one, you know, one subject. But, but anyway, I, I appreciated that about this particular session was how much it, it continued to discuss the concept of, of purity. And uh, I thought this would be a great topic to chat about with you. Yeah. And, and i I really like the idea that when we're going back 
30, 40 years in the archive, we're dealing with an LL research, a Carla, Don, and Jim that's still trying to figure things out. Um, I don't think it's absolutely th this whole idea that you have a QO session that is informed by a central question. Uh, and then the, the whole sort of session revolves around that question. I think that's not necessarily something that's really established at this point. Mm -hmm. You don't ever see any transcripts, at least from this part of the eighties, where there's a part at the beginning, it says group question. Mm -hmm. It seems to me like maybe this uh, comes out of this, this particular uh, purity session, perhaps come out, it comes out of a uh, conversation they had beforehand. Who knows? Um, it could have been that it just was the center of gravity towards which the instruments were attracted and the message sort of coalesced around that. It's hard to say, but I do see the grasping at structure uh, that, that that's happening here. And I think that, and, and I think it's good that it's not forced like, it's easy to just try to keep the question in mind when you're trying to be an instrument. And that's, in my opinion, a completely wrong way to approach it because you're not supposed to be putting that level of compositional uh, uh, thought into it. That, that, would, that mm. would defeat the purpose of being a channel for their message. So you kind of have to like let them, uh, let them get there. I have found they always do get there, at least in some sense. Mm -hmm. And um, certainly uh, there are, I can probably count on one hand the number of quo sessions with a central uh, group question, uh, contextualizing them and setting the stage for them, uh, where quo or the contact does not largely address the question. Sometimes there's like details of the question that don't get addressed and that's got to be accepted as, you know, they get a little bit of license to be able to uh, put this in the terms that, uh, that they can stand behind. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm going to start and just read a little bit from this session to get this conversation started. Um, Perfect. I thought it was, just, it's a, it's a very interesting, it's an interesting take on what purity is. I think when I think of pure, um, when I think of purity right now, what, well, what I think and I think what society thinks is, is maybe, maybe a bit different, but I think there's a societal, um, not expectation, but this is standard idea of purity that you're, that you're clean, you're not doing anything wrong, you're living a straight life, you don't, maybe you don't drink, maybe it, you know, maybe if you're young and you're not married, maybe you're a virgin. You know, it's it, that is pure in the in the maybe dogmatic Christian sense. You have this purity to you, uh, free you know? of sin, free of sin. Right. Look, so look it, at so, you and your one-liners. Well, well, well the, the the whole point of purity, as we're used to thinking about it, is that it uh, it's an adherence to this uh, ideal. And there's no adulteration to mm. the to the realization of that ideal. Um, sin is a particular way of talking about uh, a deviation from the ideal. Mm -hmm. And the 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 thing that I the, the issue I have with a lot of modern Christianity is that it seems to put a lot of emphasis on understanding all of the details of the sin. 
<laughs> as opposed to just getting right with, you know, your true purpose and your, your, your deepest desire, yeah. um, which, and I think this is where Hatan really shines because they're able to put their concept of purity in a very simple, straightforward way that takes the emphasis off of what pulls us away from it and instead puts the emphasis on what it means to actually be on the beam, to be, mm-hmm. to be walking the straight and narrow. Mm-hmm. Well, Hatan begins here after the, uh, after the intro. My friends, tonight we would share with you a few thoughts on the subject of purity. It is difficult to conceive of purity within the realm of your illusion, for as your illusion is permeated with indecision, as your illusion is the point at which the individual must elect to polarize in one direction or the other, there is a strong tendency to accept a proximity to purity as the totality itself. At this point, my brothers and sisters, the question occurs to a number of you. What type of purity is being discussed? My friends, in using the word purity, we refer to the non-resistance to the outward reflectance of light from the individual. As you well know, every molecule, every atom, every portion of substance within your universe being a facet of the Creator, is imbued with the light of the Creator and is capable of projecting that light in all directions. However, the influence of the individualized consciousness, which organizes the various molecules into a physical vehicle for the purpose of experiencing this density, exerts a controlling influence over the amount of light emitted from the total vehicle. And this sets the stage. Hatan, in my mind, is saying, we are referring to that light that is within you. And how much are you letting that light shine? How much are you, or how much are you holding back? How much are you covering up that light? Right. And and at the beginning, they talk about, this is something I've been kind of turning around in my head what they mean by a strong tendency to accept a proximity to purity as the totality itself. Perhaps what they mean is kind of what we were talking about earlier, that that purity is measured by how close to, how, how, how unadulterated your, your soul is, how sinful your soul is, and that you get rid of sin and that puts you closer and closer to the ideal. Whereas the way that they're trying to address it now is to say it's more about how purely, how um, radiantly you're shining your own light. And, 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 and the, the deal comes from understanding that light and being able to accept and express it rather than understanding all the things that get in the way of it per se and then just trying to get as, as close to that light as possible. You're not trying to get close to your own light. You're trying to be your own light. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I I don't know. I I think it's I think it's a weird, a weird uh, dichotomy that they're sketching out here about this proximity to purity as the totality itself, rather than just <laughs> to just say it's 
because because uh, what I really like about what they're saying is that this light is very hard to characterize uh, on their part or on our part. But it's something that uh, with a, a little bit of inward reflection, inward uh, analysis and exploration, we, we discover quite clearly on our own terms. And in that case, it doesn't need the translation of this, this contact's words, right? Mm-hmm. Hatan continues. Let's see if we'll get more clarity out of this. More briefly, my friends, you have the ability to restrict the amount of light which you are capable of emitting. The ramification of this act is that the energy level of your planetary sphere is being controlled by those entities upon that sphere, yourselves. And in restricting the amount of spiritual light and energy which you are capable of exuding, you reduce the amount of energy and therefore the vibratory level of your surroundings. When taken in terms of your race, the effect is to reduce the vibratory level of your planet, which results in the physical and emotional traumas that your planet and its populace continually experience. This is an interesting paragraph. It's um, a spiritual, I think it's a, it's a spiritual way of saying that, uh, you know, you, you make, you lie in the bed that you make. You know, I, I suppose it's like a lot of this material. They simply give you a different lens to look at your day-to-day experience. Your, you know, they just give you a different angle to look at things. And I suppose this is the same thing. Um, how we affect yeah. the world we live in. Yeah. And it and it's the 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 issue I have is that it's kind of unclear um what this means outside of the abstraction of this metaphor of light. Um like I wonder uh sure, why do we restrict the amount of light which we are capable of emitting. Why do we uh, attenuate that light that we're shining? Uh, is it out of some desire for control, a desire, a, a fear that we're going to be exposed? Um, it, to me, it's it's very important to understand uh, what it is that we're doing that's getting in the way and why we're doing it. It, otherwise, like it just seems like there's no agency for us in this whole question. Mm-hmm. Well, let's let's pause on that thought. I mean, maybe maybe that'll be addressed a little bit. And if not, I think that's a great point to ask. If uh, being pure means exuding the light fully that is within you, then why the hell are you not doing that? <laughs> What's stopping you from from doing that? Or maybe it, maybe it's not a question of what we intend to do or not do. Maybe this is just maybe one way of uh, uh, interpreting this is that it's simply a kind of quasi scientific objective uh, description of what's going on, and we have to put the pieces together on our own individual uh, approach. I don't know. I'm sure. just throwing that possibilities out there. Well, as we go through this, I 
continually come back to the common theme of being rather than doing. I think that's a big part of it. Um, it, there's definitely some parts in the raw contact where they mention purity and it, and it seems to have a lot to do with this, um, spontaneous ability to just be yourself in the, oh, for lack of a better word, purest form. Right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So the question, it always sort of like throws the question back on oneself. Well, what is the pure you? That's what I mean. It's like this, this is much more easily apprehended when one has a, uh, inward, uh, uh, a, a tradition of looking inward and having some data with which to uh, uh, chew on that question. If you haven't even bothered to look within, if you haven't even bothered to uh, recognize who this person is that you are trying to be a more pure version of, yeah, and what and and what qualities are you, and what qualities are uh, sort of constructed on top of you. Yeah. Then you would have no, you would have no ability to deal with a concept like purity, other than, you know, not being sinful. You know. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that idea of you in a spiritual sense is, is deep. It's unchanging. Well, I shouldn't say unchanging, but it's it's. There's a core to you that is, I think, on a spiritual level. Uh, is pretty is pretty steady but the physical manifestation of you over time you change a lot in your 20s 30s 50s you're kind of like a different person you know so which you which you are you trying to be you know and how does that and how does that relate to the kind of light that you're emitting you mm -hmm. know and so. and and they the confederation has already spoken of the idea of our distortions our blockages as being kind of smudges on the window pane that through which the creator's light is coming through. So there is some concept of not sin, but a concept of there are discrete things that we can address that are getting in the way of this light. Mm. Um, mm. But, it's, but it's not seen in this uh, punitive or uh, uh, pejorative sense, right? Mm -hmm. It's just, it's like they say, you know, it's a mistake, possibly, or an error. Like if you add up two plus two and it and, and you get five, just check your math and change it. Mm -hmm. And we put a lot of storm and drong on top of it to make it this big uh, dramatic thing. <laughs> I mean, I'm pretty good at that. <laughs> <laughs> I think we all have our we all have qualities. Yeah, <laughs> you're just shining, Jeremy. You're just letting it shine. I, I can I can turn the light down here if you, if you like. <laughs> <laughs> let me let me continue. Yep. Hatan continues, my friends, this statement in your holy texts, which decry the attempt to hide one's light beneath a basket, refer to this type of choice. I'm not sure what basket they're referring to. Maybe someone in the comment. Do you know? Maybe. <laughs> yeah, there's there's a um, there's a part of uh, the New Testament. I think in Matthew five fifteen to sixteen, no one after lighting a lamp puts it under the bushel basket, but on the lampstand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. 
bro. You just had that reference on hand? I literally looked it up in the last 10 seconds. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Oh, A plus on timing, man. I had, I didn't, that didn't even click with me until I read this. I'm like, is that a typo? <laughs> like, okay. Very cool. Okay. So if you have a lamp, don't put that underneath the basket. You put right. it on top. You put it on the table. Okay. So, my friends, the statement in your holy texts, which decry the attempt to hide one's light beneath a basket, refer to this type of choice. It is within the realm of your abilities to restrict the light energy that you would choose to return to the Creator. It is also within the realms of your ability to restrict your own growth and that of your brothers and sisters. My friends, we are aware that on your planet there is pressure from those about you to conform, to avoid standing out in a crowd, but we would request that you consider whether there is greater service to be performed in being willing to be brave enough to allow your light to shine forth fully. Okay. That actually adds some uh, appropriate detail to what they mean. It and does. What, and what the, um, what, the, what the whole problem here is, it seems to me that, uh, you know, they, they, they go on later uh, to talk about second density creatures and how they're pure because they don't have this ability to doubt themselves or edit themselves in any way. That would require self-consciousness, the ability to reflect on oneself and to see a, a, a difference between how you're being and how you might wish to be. Mm -hmm. Now, that's very important for us in our uh, work spiritually because we are trying to reflect on that self to understand which uh, polarized direction we wish to continue our evolution in. Mm -hmm. Do we want to go the service to others route? Or the service of self route, and that can oh, that question can only uh, be answered in light of one's deepest desires, which requires the ability to step. What what Kuo in some of the work uh, I've been involved in has said is that you uh, uh, a second density creature is a mind body complex. The spirit mm -hmm. is potentiated, but it's not activated. And so there's this dialogue between the mind and the body, the body giving sensation and data to the mind, the mind providing command to the body. Mm -hmm. And uh, at some point on the cusp of third density, that when the spirit complex is activated, there is the ability to step outside that feedback loop and to recognize it as a, as a thing that is distinct from you. Mm. I believe that's mm -hmm. one way of interpreting what they've said. Mm -hmm. And so that allows for us to start wondering, okay, well, this, this, this self that I am in the world, is it right? Is it what I want? Is it not what I want? What do I want? All of these questions are thrown <laughs> towards the entity and they spend lifetimes trying to decide how to deal with this and not in the intellectual and straightforward way that I've just cleanly described it. In this very, very intuitive and murky way through which consciousness achieves more and more focus, more and more uh, single-mindedness. And um, that it, 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 so given that, we know where third density ends and where fourth density begins. Fourth density begins when we're able to uh, uh, be able to share 
with each other so intensely and freely that we can share our memories, our thoughts. We open up completely to each other. And that kind of uh, connection with each other would require our deepest selves to be pledged to this collective unit. And I believe in third density, we're working out what self we want to be in that collective unit. And basically what I'm getting at is I think that fourth density allows us to be pure mind-body-spirit complexes uh, that do not require this level of like guessing about who we are. We've figured out who we are, and we can be our pure selves with everybody else's pure selves. In third density... We're trying to fit in without necessarily being able to be our pure selves. We're still fi figuring it out. We're still uh, dipping a toe in the water. We're trying to figure out, can, we, can I really be myself and be part of society? Yeah. Yes. So that's, that to me is like the threshold that needs to be crossed. It's being in a, a third density group individuated self that is trying to figure out where you fit in versus a fourth density self, which – knows exactly who you are, exactly how you fit in. And the great work comes from all of these different pure selves coming together in this way that we can't plan, we can't organize intellectually like we do in third density. It simply is the puzzle coming together. Mm -hmm. I ha I'm dangerously close to a tangential topic, but we won't go down that path. I'm going to continue with Hatan here. This Don't hide your light, brother. <laughs> this service that you would perform for your brothers and sisters in attempting this in your day-to-day -day actions is immense. For there is no being in existence who is capable of resisting the beneficial effects of this action. This action being, uh, this is me speaking, the, this action being letting your light shine, shine forth fully. Hatan continues, we would suggest, dear friends, that this be an object of consideration as you live within the confines of your illusion. They continue, within your illusion, one who stands out from the crowd is often isolated, scorned, ignored. But each is unique, each has their own rate of growth, each has the choice. As you progress, you will find that at times you will be alone in the crowd. For as you grow and gain knowledge, become more aware, that which you have learned will be harder and harder to hide. You shall find that you will be more content with your particular place on your planet. Each works upon oneself, each self inaudible. As you become more aware, you begin to see that though they are experiencing difficulties in relating to others on the planet, that they also become closer, for they will begin to see that which makes them, that which makes them and others one in the love and the light of the infinite creator. Though you experience difficulties, all right, I'm going to pause. Essentially, <clears throat> I think Hatan is saying here, Exactly what you just said. How do you find your place within this world, within this, the, the group? Hatan stated, Within your illusion, one who stands out from the crowd is often isolated, scorned, 
ignored. And this goes back to one of the first couple paragraphs where Hatan asks, um, can you be you? Let's see, I'm trying to find the explicit, um, But yeah, how much are you being you? How much are you comfortable being you? And letting that, it, simply, it just sounds to me like simply being you is what allows that light to shine forth. Wherever you're at in your life, however you feel, can you be honest and true with others about where you're at? Yeah, it, 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 it seems like being honest about who you are and seeing honestly where others are without making that a problem, right? Thank you for flipping that and, and completing the circle. Yeah, being yeah. Being honest where you are, but being honest and perhaps tolerant or accepting of where others are at, or at least non-judgmental of where others are at. Um, well, just recognizing mm-hmm. that it is but a moment in an evolutionary progression. We are, it, 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 it sucks that we are stuck at a single moment sometimes, unable to appreciate the uh, forward trajectory that all of us are, are experiencing um, in its totality. We have to go through the time dilated experience of growing. And not only that, not only for ourselves, but we have to abide others going through that as well. Um. This is where I think a little bit of faith enters in because faith allows you, in part, if you have that trust in the inherent goodness of the creation and the evolutionary path, that it is working in your favor at the end of the day, even though it may not seem like it at the time. The inability of others to give their best to you or your inability to give your best to others It's but a momentary issue. It is not a foundational uh, impediment to progression back to unity. Mm -hmm. And therefore, you can be patient. You can be understanding. You can let things roll off your back. And then there is no reason, perhaps, to do anything that would uh, block the light from from issuing from you. You can be yourself. It's safe to be yourself. It's okay. And a momentary setback will not change that self's ability to shine. What's the risk of being yourself? There's certainly, you and I were talking about this before, there certainly is a good reason that we block our light. I think we can all go back to our childhood and think of times when we learned not to just spontaneously say whatever we were thinking or do whatever we were doing, that there was some reason why we should uh, second guess ourselves. Um, if it wasn't from parents or teachers, it was from our friends, right? Like mm-hmm. uh, kids are capable of incredible forms of ridicule <laughs> that sting deeply. Yeah. Uh, And it's just the way that it is. Um, We learn that that is the terrain we walk on this path back to the creator, that it goes through these valleys of of heartache and uh, self-doubt. I think that perhaps, this is a a speculation on my part, Uh, we are learning how to align our self-conscious will 
our waking uh, ability to direct our actions and our thoughts. We are learning slowly over time how to align that with our deeper will, with the creator's will, with a deeper and more all-encompassing understanding of what it is that we're involved in when we live a life. And this is not simply, some people might describe that as a surrendering to the creator's will. And I think there's a sense in which that is the case. But I also think that we're also not automatons of the creator, right? Mm -hmm. We are not simply designed, uh, the point is not simply to shut our minds and our intellects and our even our egos, our yellow ray complexes. We're not supposed to shut that down and simply become the drones of the creator. We are supposed to, and I think this is this is why channeling plays such a huge role in this philosophy. We are literally channeling that pure love and light that comes from the creator. That's our portion of it. And we are using all of our resources to bring that to bear, that light to bear in whatever way it will manifest in this limited illusion. It will not come through totally, completely most of the time because it is an illusion and its constraints and restrictions are part of what makes it a learning tool. Mm -hmm. But it's kind of like the way that I think about it, this might be clumsy, but the way that I think about it is that it's as if a three-dimensional shape is projecting itself into a two-dimensional plane. Like imagine, this is like the uh, the, the plot of Flatland, a, mm -hmm. uh, an interesting story uh, from the 1800s. But imagine a world of two-dimensional beings. And all they know is the, the X of Y axis. So nobody can go over top anybody. Like everything just has to occur on this plane as if it were a game board. And anything that hits up against anything else, well, it has to go around it or something like that. Mm -hmm. Then you have a sphere, uh, uh, an entity from a third dimension that has this Z axis in addition to the X and Y. And when it comes to the plane and intersects with it, they see all the flat people or the flat entities, they see a circle expanding and contracting as that sphere enters and exits. It, it, it passes through the plane. Mm -hmm. To them, they don't understand that. How can you expand and contract? And they don't understand that, well, actually what's going on is that there's this other dimension that's creating a different experience, but you're only seeing uh, two dimensions of it. You're not seeing that third dimension. I believe this is how the creator's love and light this is a way of understanding how that love and light comes into our experience and our illusion and makes it better. It does it not by being perfectly three-dimensional. It has to be cast into that two-dimensional illusion. But that two-dimensional illusion, um, excuse me, it may be that at one point we're a small circle and the next moment we're a huge circle because what's going on isn't completely able to be translated into our illusion. So we have to be nimble mm. and flexible and willing to suborn our uh, sort of our uh, perhaps our lower concept of who we are. We have to put that aside sometimes and let, and let that light shine through and let it shine through in whatever way it manifests at that moment. In a different moment, in a different context, it may look completely different. But that's the purity that knowing who we are and getting as many of those smudges off the window pane of our 
egos as the as the light shines through us as the creator's light shines through us that is the role that we play in bringing that love to bear in the moment as it is needed mm. i had never thought of that idea before and it's i the idea now i love the flatland flatland story it's such a good story especially as three-dimensional beings especially when you talk about aliens are they fourth dimensional and do they just pop in because they're actually moving through the you know extra dimension in any case i never thought of visualizing the creator and create the creator's love and light maybe that creator energy as this higher dimensional energy that is somehow focused through you know focused through the lower dimension and it's something that we're kind of trying to grasp onto or we're trying to channel through the little holes on the tops of our head metaphysical holes um that's an interesting visualization especially over uh i don't know probably some weed not that i spoke <laughs> but it would probably be better i can imagine <laughs> it's 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 simply that we are tra another way of saying channeling is translating we are translating a third-dimensional concept into a second-dimensional concept by this metaphor. We are translating a unity of the creator's love and light that is that contains everything in it. Yeah. <laughs> like, that can't possibly fit in this narrow, constricted illusion that has these laws of physics and all that. Like, it's not going to make sense except in this very stylized, artistic way mm. that we as natives of this illusion are able to express as long as we have a good grasp of that light, mm -hmm. then we understand and we can cooperate with how that light looks and feels and manifests in a given moment, in a given situation. Mm. And then the next situation, it might look completely different. We can't, the, the, the issue is that there's no like ethical rules that we can necessarily cling to to tell us intellectually what we should or should not do. It does have to be spontaneous. I think that's why this metaphor of shining a light is so useful because it's so it's so empty of any instruction, right? Mm -hmm. It doesn't it doesn't tell us what that light is, doesn't tell us how that light should be should be shown except to show it as much as possible. Mm -hmm. But we are still tasked as self-conscious third density entities uh, with finding this light in making sure that we can bring it to bear on any situation in the purest form possible. What is the purest form? That's for us to find out within. We do know that like this concept of the purity of the light uh, is, is not simply a matter of, you know, everyday uh, uh, use of the, of, of the educational nature of the illusion, right? Remember these constructs and these uh, uh, constraints under which we live they're educational. They help us understand ourselves. They, they, they seem like these walls that we're running into, but at the end of the day, they're, they're showing us what's true and what's not. Mm -hmm. um, even in the raw contact, uh, there was a uh, statement where they were talking about how the purity of the, the group's uh, desire to serve, Carla, Don, and Jim, was as a light. And that mm. light attracts, you know, negatives. Mm. But it's that purity of light that makes it intense, that 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 announces uh, a, a a truly uh, uh, powerful working.
Mm-hmm. And the idea is like, we are learning how to have more and more powerful workings in our day-to-day life. Uh, the rock contact was a highly specialized magical working. How can we maybe not do that <laughs> that uh, intense of a working, but spread it out across an entire life and just go with the flow? We don't need to be a powerful light that, that you know negative entities are drawn to. We simply need to give what we have. Mm-hmm. That's a lot of what it is. It's just one way of looking at it is that shining the light as pure as possible. The other thing is giving what you have. And it's the search within that exposes you to what it is that you actually have. Mm-hmm. That you don't have to like, you know, yes. soft shoe your way through life uh, faking it. That you have something that's pure and true and real. And it's and others are uh, others can be benefited by it. Yes. You may not know in every situation the exact benefit it has, and that's where the light comes from because you don't have to have intellectually the answer to every question at every given moment. You can you can do a dance. Mm-hmm. I want to, again, I'm getting close to a couple tangents, but I want to finish this. <laughs> at yep. least the Hatan portion. Yep. Um, Hatan wraps up the this portion of the, the session. Latwi does continue and actually and actually continues to talk about purity, but, but Hatan finishes. As one becomes more aware of its presence, the light within. Oh, I lost my spot. As one becomes more aware of its presence, the knowledge that you gain, increasingly, increasingly guided, inaudible feels more and more comfortable within your being. My friends, as you grow, as you sit within meditation, allow yourself to feel. Experience the light. Allow it to glow. Be that which is you. Allow yourselves to be. Now we've gotten back to the being and doing concept. Yes. I. You know, I like... This idea of, are you comfortable being you? And it's just funny what happens in your life when you start being honest with others and honest with you about who you are. I think for a lot of people, there's a fear that you're going to lose friends and family members. Maybe they won't accept you for who you really are, your real personality. But in maybe some of that's true, but the friends that you pick up on the back end of that, you know, are your, they're your, they're your friends, you know, and the, the quote unquote friends you lose when you start being honest with yourself and with them, were, were those friends really tight knit to begin with, you know, if, so it's, there's a lot of hubbub, there's a lot of fear and, and I think it's justified because there's turmoil that comes along with realigning your relationships when you start being true to yourself but at the same time it's might as it's going to be painful living living the lie so to speak or it'll be painful having that realignment in your life so i guess you got to pick you got to pick your pain yeah and 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 it's the way that you described it is is very neat and tidy uh 
I, I think the way that it actually often manifests, maybe maybe you can contradict me, but the way that it often manifests is that we're both trying to figure out who we really are and trying to express that in varying ways to others that get accepted or rejected in very like it's all muddled up. You're right, it's not one sided. Yeah. It's not one sided. We, we find something in ourselves that we wish to express that means something to us, that, that is a symbol or a totem of that deepest desire and love. It's rejected by somebody that we care about because perhaps we didn't express it great. Perhaps it triggered something in them. Perhaps, you know, it was just a, 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 a momentary lapse of communication that causes hurt on one or both parties. Um, that causes reflection and uh, a refinement of what it is that we found within, or maybe we cut it off completely, or maybe we uh, go deeper. Uh, maybe we're able to express it with more clarity the next time. Uh, maybe that is a sign that the relationship is unviable. Maybe it's a deepening of the relationship through this work of yeah. communication and getting to the, the, the common light that unites us together. Um, Communication is, in in my view, having uh, read all the stuff in the Confederation, they really do describe it as foundationally about love. And it seems to me that the carrier waves and even the concepts, or sorry, <laughs> even the words and concepts are a carrier wave for this love. The love is the real thing that's being transmitted. Mm -hmm. And we translate that into the situational context in which we are. And that the words kind of like provide a, a bridging uh, so that we can make sense of it because otherwise it would just be love. And there would be no need to uh, intellectually engage with it. A very worthy tangent, Jeremy. <laughs> Have you seen everything, everywhere, all at once? No, not yet. Bruh, get after it. <laughs> There's a reason why it swept the Oscars. Okay. And especially as a Confederation, you know, lover, it's killer. I don't think it doesn't, it doesn't align with Confederation philosophy per se, but I think you can quickly discover some, um, I, I guess some universal human themes, um, about love, but it's amazing. Absolutely amazing. Go check it out. No spoilers, but go check it out. And it's then let's so hard next week. <laughs> yeah, it's just I I find very few. I, I just am not very motivated to watch films lately. But a personal recommendation is a completely different situation. So I will check it out. I I honestly do not like movies anymore. It's like even it, even the Avengers movies and the Marvel movies, which I've been you know in love with since Iron Man, I just got kind of bored with them. And then I watched Maverick, and I'm like, this is a throwback to like an old. You know, I, lo I absolutely loved Maverick. And then my wife and I just watched everything everywhere all at once. And there was never a, there was never a moment where I wasn't completely engaged in what was happening. And it's, uh, and it's got something for everyone. I think it's the perfect blend of drama, action, sci-fi, and comedy. It's just, it's, it's genius. And I think you'll appreciate the themes of, that are in the movie. I, I heard there were some fight scenes. So. There are some wicked fight scenes. <laughs> and it's a mind bender. You have to be prepared to think about the multiverse, you know, 
but it's um it's absolutely brilliant but i think you'll appreciate the um some of the underlying themes that that are that are there so right on yeah so we'll have to talk about that soon because i'm i'm dying to geek out about it because my wife didn't yeah. like it a whole lot <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh andy from our working group uh he was the first one to recommend that uh movie to me so mm-hmm. it's been on my radar for a while but you know how it is. The longer you go not doing it, the more it's kind of like resistance builds up. And <laughs> I just need to like burst the dam and yeah, get in there. Give yourself a couple hours. It's an, it's entirely worth it. It's, okay. Um, it's entirely worth it. Well, was it time to move on to the Latwi part? Yes. So they, they transitioned to Latwi. It is now Carla tra- uh, channeling Latwi. And Latwi picks up on the same concept, which I love because usually... Latwi just immediately goes to question and answer. But through Carla, Latwi says, The concept of purity is one which pertains not to all of those foolish things that your peoples find so interesting, but rather to a quality which is as simple as light. If you will gaze out your window, my friends, in the early morning hours, you will find the tiny crocuses moving upwards towards the still cool spring sun. They are pure. You will find the squirrels chasing the birds from the seed you have put out, their bright eyes darting back and forth, their tails moving quickly and cleverly as they maintain their balance. You hear the song of birds, and all these things, my friends, are pure. They are pure because they are not conscious of themselves. They are creatures of the creation of the Father, and they are what they are without question. And Jeremy, this goes back to your point about second density creatures having that mind-body complex. It just, they are pure because they, they are what they are. They are being, you know, they're simply being. They don't have the uh, burden of self-reflective consciousness but they also don't have the potential yet. Uh, Mm -hmm. Well, it's in potential, right? But like they're not working. They have yet to activate the spirit complex and it's the spirit complex that connects this, 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 this mind body to intelligent infinity and all Mm -hmm. of the latent potential that, that waits for them. And it just seems like it's something that, how do they figure out how to activate the spirit complex? I mean, one of the ways is investiture, right? A higher density entity invests them uh, with with the appropriate tools. But but I think there's also times when the patterns of thinking and experience over millions, maybe even billions of years, alert them to something in this dialogue between mind and body that is limited and that they start to see... A lot of a lot of what self uh, self consciousness is is the ability to identify patterns, and I think as you identify the patterns of life, they start to ask it. It, it demands deeper questions be asked. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. These deeper questions. I mean, the Confederation always says it's about the questions, not the answers, and I think it's because it propels the seeking, it propels the search for the light. There's definitely some work that we've done in the channeling circle that implies that the one of the the big 
reasons for individuation in third density as this middle stage between second density and fourth density is this discovery of the light within. That on an individual, there's something powerful about doing on an individual basis, this discovery of the light, mm-hmm. and then being able to bring that to the social memory complex as a self-aware individual who nevertheless is sharing freely that light. But when you're an animal, you don't have that ability to recognize the light within because you just are the light. So there's no like, there's no intellectual or self-conscious element that can channel it into a, uh, a representation that's needed for the moment. You just are yourself and you are pure. But it's almost like there's something about our self-awareness, the very things that stand in the way of us shining our light, we're learning to use to better uh, uh, be, be that light shiner. Yes. L- let me continue because this is a perfect segue. Latouille continues through Carla. But ah, my friends, have you not been given a complicated task? To find again that beingness, that feeling of being a part of the creation with no effort while you are conscious of yourself? Your greatest task, my friends, is to stay out of your own way, for that which you are will shine, and all that might obstruct it, and all that might obstruct it is that which you might do. Some obstruct the light on purpose, but my friends, many, many others in their efforts to increase their helpfulness actually confuse the quality of that vibration of beingness, which we have so often described to you as the original thought of the one infinite creator. Let me power through this, even though that, I think, that last, one of those last sentences is absolutely fantastic. You are already a being of perfect love and light. To stay out of your way is a tremendous service to yourself and to others. With all of the intelligence and analysis that you can produce through the time of your incarnation, cannot yield up one more iota of light than is the totality of your being to begin with. So, my friends, go within and trust that that which you are to be or do is least of all a function of that mind which analyzes, and far more truly a function of your ability to feel comfortable being one who is loved totally by the Creator. If you are loved, you can then love, no matter what other function you may have in this illusion. Love, my friends, is the heart of your gift to those about you and to yourself. A great, a great addition from Latouille. And I think, oh, I love this lineup here. Uh, but my friends, many, many others in their efforts to increase their helpfulness actually confuse the quality of that vibration of beingness. Yada, yada, yada. Yeah. <laughs> Again, that idea of doing rather than being. And don't confuse the two. They are different. Well, the question is, when do you, when, when does one do and when does one simply be? Uh, I think maybe, you know, that, that generally speaking, that's what we're in third density to figure out. But it is interesting that they uh, call out 
even the uh, innocent desire to be helpful can be an endeavor of uh, confusion uh, because we we don't know necessarily always how to channel that beingness into the right action. I'm thinking. I'm. I'm. I'm thinking terrible thoughts. I'm thinking of projecting, and like there was a story of this guy in New York who was a a, a leader of an organization that was against uh, pedophilia and child child sex trafficking. Turns out he was a pedophile and child sex trafficker. You know. Yeah. And it's it's being versus doing. It's are you are you being a good person? I shouldn't even say a good person. Are you, are you, uh, let's take something completely stereotypical. If, are you donating your time on the weekends at a, at a food bank or at a homeless shelter because you feel guilty about how you treat the homeless people in front of your house in San Francisco? Or are you, or is there a different reason? You know, it's like, what are you doing things for? Well, you know. I think that's part of what they're getting at when they talk about staying out of your own way. Well, what is your way? Beingness, I think, shows us what the way is. And they're mm. not saying that you should not do anything. They're saying that you shouldn't do things that obstruct the way. Mm. Our intellect, our uh, volition, our ability to act can serve that beingness. But it's not the other way around. The beingness doesn't, we think in our world that our beingness, our reputation, our totality of who we are on this planet is a is an accumulation of all these things that we've done that make us worthy, unworthy, helpful, unhelpful, all that. But it's the other way around, I think, is what they're saying, is that that beingness is what gives us our purpose. Mm. Then when we act, when we think, when we are are limiting, when we're, when we are engaged in any kind of activity that is by definition limited and constrained by the illusion, it doesn't get it. It doesn't it doesn't try to uh, uh, finagle that love and light into something that works for who we think we can stand behind, or or who we think or what we think uh, society will accept necessarily. We can just be that. And then our intellect, our egos, they sort of uh, run ahead and clear the way. Hmm. They, they do something over here. They do something over there. But they're not getting in the way of that light coming through. They're augmenting that light coming through as a creative, almost artistic act of cooperating with the creator. Hmm. I think this is very helpful because, you know, one of the things that those of Ra say uh, is that a uh, social memory complex that is service to others because it necessarily um, respects free will. It is not always going to have a perfect grasp of purity. Mm -hmm. in, in the negative side, because they don't care about free will, they can get everybody right on the same page. On the on the service to other side, we have to sort of like dance our way into that. We have to come into a harmony that emerges. It's not going to be directed from above, right? Uh, yeah. In uh, in 
session 71, question 14, uh, Don asks, you have made the statement that pure negativity acts as a gravity well, pulling all into it. I was wondering first if pure positivity has precisely the same effect. Could you answer that, please? And those of Ra say, I am Ra. This is incorrect. Positivity has a much weaker effect due to the strong element of recognition of free will in any positivity approaching purity. Mm. It's almost like they are contrast. It's like it's 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 almost like an asymptotic uh, approach towards purity, but you'll never quite get there in the illusion because there's always this uh, remainder of free will that is getting in the way of the perfect orchestration. I think the power comes from our ability to love in spite of that. In spite? Yes. I was thinking earlier what would happen, you know, we talk about the transition of uh, what it means to be fourth density. And what would happen if overnight everyone was telepathic and could read each other's minds and we all knew everyone else's truths and experiences but at the same time you have to bear your soul for others yeah i met boy what a turmoil that would be but and i i think we've gone through this thought experiment uh, and my friends and i about like Neuralink, where what if you what if you're actually sharing thoughts like and there were no secrets like could you do that you know and most people like hell no you know but they forget that everyone else's secrets are also laid bare exactly i think with that, you have an appreciation for going, oh, I'm not so different. Everyone everyone feels guilty about this or that. And the level of understanding that comes with that forced honesty, it'd just be crammed down your throat, <laughs> you know? So, um, yep. yeah, I think um, accepting others, I think that's a great, that's a great point about the positive path versus the negative path. And um, yeah. The negative path, because it seeks conformity, it kind of, uh, it, it, it directs what those of Latwi say, uh, we, we, they, they suggest not doing, uh, later on, they say those of your people who have considered the concept of purity have quite frequently chosen to whittle away at their being in order to find the purity, which they sense must be achieved by the removing of, shall we say, the catalyst of your illusion. And they're saying, no, what we're talking about is a wholeness of self, not a self that needs to be wedged into a, a template. Yes. We didn't even get into the question answer for Latwi because they continue to nail down the purity question. And you just brought up one and it's fantastic. Is it, Does purity mean uh, sequestering yourself or moving away into a, a monastery where you're away from society, right. you're away from that catalyst, and then you're living the pure life on the land. Is that purity? I mean, some may perceive so. It, it is a purity but... that can be perceived. It's a purity that the world can at least weigh in on. The purity that they are talking about achieving is not something that the world has a say in. It's something yes. you do on your own terms yes. as a creative and a loving act of service. Yeah. And then the world will do well, what it will. But over time, as we all discover and burnish this light that we find within ourselves as individuals, we start to understand that we can more and more freely share and that the constraints of the world and the illusion do not have to, in one iota, 
change the amount of love we give. We just have to be mm-hmm. able to trust ourselves enough to know that uh, we there is some way that we can share our love and light. It may not be the way that comes to us first. Mm-hmm. It may not be the simplest or the easiest or the least effort way, but there is a way. And if we can make ourselves available to it and be ready for it, be waiting for it, be expecting it, we can be part of showing people that this puzzle is already complete. Yeah. Amen. Amen. I think that's a great place to great place to wrap up. Yeah, I, I highly recommend that folks uh, read the March 7th, 1982 uh, transcript. Of course, there's the uh, recording that Ryan did, but it's always good to, uh, I always like listening to it and reading it because they're two sort of different ways of dealing with how we unfold and unwrap these concepts. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah, give it a look. Cool. Well, uh, thanks so much for uh, jumping back on the horse with me, Ryan. Yeah, uh, thank you. We'll try. Pleasure. Every every once in a while, we have like a month or mo- two month gap, but uh, that's just the way it goes. Uh, this has gone so well um, that uh, I think we'll be back on. We'll be back on it in two weeks or so. I think. I think so. I'll, yeah. My life will be a little bit more settled. I'll hopefully have a new car by then, Ooh, <laughs> or, yeah. or at least my car will be fixed. We'll see. Yeah, it's no, all right. No neck injury that develops. Let's keep that. Let's keep that healthy. Yep. Yep. All right. Well, all thanks right, so much, Ryan. Thank you. And uh, I'll catch you on the flip side. Yep. In the meantime, dear listeners, stay in the love and light.